KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Monday, November 22nd. The Blue Line trolley extension is finally open. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Two water main breaks near downtown and Balboa Park were reported Sunday evening, and they continued through Monday morning. It shut down part of the North 5 for at least some of the Monday morning commute. One pipe rupture is at 11th Avenue and A Street. The other is near State Route 163 and 4th Avenue. The downtown water main break is believed to be caused by a sinkhole, and it flooded at least one business in the East Village area. A vote was delayed on Friday on new air quality regulations for sport fishing boat engines. The California Air Resources Board and environmentalists are pushing boat owners to upgrade to less polluting engines. But the Sports Fishing Association fears that if regulations are passed, mom and pop shops will close, tour prices will double, and ocean access will become a luxury. A 13-day streak in increasing gas prices continues today ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. The average price of a gallon of gas rose one-tenth of a cent to $4.66. That's the highest it's been since October of 2012. Overall, the average price of gas has increased 11.6 cents over the past 13 days. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. San Diego's biggest expansion of public transit in more than 15 years is now up and running. The Blue Line trolley now offers a one-seat ride from the border to UCSD and University City. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen examines the impact that extension could have and the work that's still left to do. Service on the extended UCSD Blue Line began on Sunday, but last week, MTS offered the media a preview ride. It was fast and smooth, with some excellent views you can't get while driving. Full disclosure, I've been looking forward to this trolley ride for a long time. And it's hard to understate just how big a deal the project is. Nine new stations and 11 miles of new tracks. That's a 20% increase in the MTS trolley network. We are so excited about this project! (laughs) Sharon Humphreys is the bubbly director of engineering and construction at SANDAC, the regional transportation agency that built the trolley extension. She says the project has been planned since the 1980s. I myself have worked on the project for the last 10 years. 
So if you are interested in instant gratification, civil engineering is not the field for you. (laughs) One of the key decisions made early on was to build the tracks next to the I-5 freeway. That made the project cheaper and easier to build by limiting the amount of land Sandag had to acquire. Nobody wants to part with their personal property, their land. So by running most of the project through public lands, we were able to avoid impacting property owners and impact personal property. The downside to that decision, half the land that surrounds many of the stations is taken up by the freeway, where there's no chance of building new housing or commercial development. Even where the city does have plans for transit-oriented growth, they'll likely take years to come to fruition. You know, when we look around, uh, we don't see the kind of dense housing here that we we might hope for. Katie Christ is a postdoctoral researcher at UCSD. The campus has two new stops along the blue line. She's starting a study of how the new trolley changes the transportation habits among university staff. And what we expect is that we'll see an increase in physical activity, an increase in biking, walking, transit trips. Uh, and a decrease in vehicle miles traveled among those people that live near to a trolley stop versus those that live further away. Christ plans on riding the trolley to campus a couple times a week. She lives in Normal Heights, miles and canyons away from the nearest trolley stop, but she's a gung-ho cyclist and transit rider, eager to get to the trolley however she can. The extension starts at Old Town and runs north between Pacific Beach and Claremont before reaching UCSD and University City. So yeah, if we wait till we have all these cars to be by us. Chris and I rode our bikes up and down Balboa Avenue, the third stop on the trolley extension. Let's cross at the crosswalk. Massive trucks zoomed by us like it was a freeway. Many of the new stations are downright hazardous to access by foot, wheelchair, or bike. And Christ says most people who live far from these stations won't go out of their way to ride the trolley. There are plans to improve bike and pedestrian infrastructure around the stations, but there's no clear timeline on when they'll be complete, and they may require taking a lane or two away from cars. Christ says she doesn't see another option. We've set some really ambitious targets, right, with our climate action plan. We know that transportation is the biggest contributor to greenhouse gases that are warming the planet and causing, uh, you know, public health harm. So I think that that is a trade-off we have to be willing to make. So the benefits of the new trolley may take a while to reach most San Diegans. But UCSD Chancellor Pradeep Kosla says he thinks the trolley will really catch on with students within a year. We have passes for all of our students. It's part of their student activity fees. So the students will have complete access to San Diego without a car. Or rather, access to the parts of San Diego you can easily get to via public transit. And that was KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen. Ocean Beach residents are asking questions about plans to cut down some of their iconic palm trees. The airport authority says some of the trees need to come down because they pose a potential hazard to aviation. KPBS's John Carroll has more. It is a quintessentially Southern California scene. 
The colonnade of palm trees lining Newport Avenue from the ocean up to the top of the street have been here since being planted in the early part of the last century. When we first received a letter on um, that was dated October 8th. We didn't receive the letter until um, October 14th. The letter to Tracy Vandywalker and her husband John came from the San Diego County Regional Airport Authority. It said that two palm trees, one in front of their house and one across the street, would have to be removed because they pose or would soon pose a threat to planes when they land from the west. But she soon learned it wasn't just those two trees. Some other neighbors received these um, notices also with a map with trees in front of their house also. The city did manage to cut off the top of one of the trees here at the top of Newport Avenue. Theoretically, they would have just kept right on going, but then neighbors got involved. And Vandy Walker sprung into action. She started following city crews around, standing under trees she thought they were about to cut. And they had to stop because they can't top off the tree with me standing right underneath it. At the same time she was protecting the trees, Vandy Walker was also trying to get answers from the airport authority, from the city. She says that has been a frustrating experience. We asked for the reports, we asked for the calculations they're using for this, and we were just getting a runaround back and forth with no one having any information for us. We reached out to the airport authority and to the city. Both issued statements, the one from the airport says in part, the city of San Diego owned palm trees located in the public right-of-way adjacent to the neighboring homes exceeds or will soon exceed acceptable elevations under federal standards intruding into the airspace that surrounds the airport. And this from the city, again just a portion of their overall statement, there is currently no date for removal of the palms and we are engaging with the FAA and the San Diego airport so that we may receive clear direction on why removal is necessary and the expected impacts to flights and public safety if the trees are not removed. Vandy Walker says if it can be shown the trees really are an aviation hazard, she won't stand in the way of their removal. But for now at least, this iconic vista will stay the way it's looked for decades. And that was KPBS's John Carroll. And that was reporting from KPBS's John Carroll. California has projected a $31 billion budget surplus for the coming fiscal year. But the legislature is restricted on how that surplus gets spent, and some of it may not be able to get spent at all. CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon tells us about a law passed in the late 70s called the GAN Limit. This is a Prop 13, sort of 1970s era law that caps state spending based on what was spent the year prior. And if it's at a certain amount, the state can only spend up to a certain amount. And if there's money left over, then it's got to go to certain things like lowering taxes or issuing tax refunds or spending on certain priorities like education or infrastructure. So again, the legislature and the governor will decide what to do with that if it meets that GAN limit next year. And if you're planning to travel for the holidays, KPBS's Melissa May has some travel tips you might be thankful for. For the holiday, the roads are expected to be extra crowded. There's an expected 4.4 million total travelers from Southern California, and of those, 3.8 million will be going by car. The Auto Club of Southern California says the Tuesday and Wednesday before Thanksgiving are the worst times to travel. 
If you have to leave on those days, leave as early as you can. Marie Montgomery is a spokesperson for the Auto Club. They anticipate their roadside assistance will respond to over 52,000 calls for help this week. To avoid any delays in your road trip, you want to make sure your car is checked out before you take that road trip. Check the air in their tires, check the condition of their tires was good, check their fluid levels, check their battery to make sure it doesn't die. Those are our top type of maintenance problems. Gas prices have been at record highs. To maximize your gas, make sure you're not carrying any extra heavy cargo. Utilize your car's fuel economy feature and try to anticipate and ease out of stops. And that was KPBS's Melissa May. Coming up, Thanksgiving is this week, and California public health officials have been raising concerns about COVID-19 vaccine equity. We'll have more on that next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. There's a push in California to get more people vaccinated, both first-time shots and with boosters, prior to Thanksgiving. Vaccine equity continues to be a significant concern during this period. Asian Americans in California are outpacing their Black, Latino, and white counterparts when it comes to getting the shots, with nearly 82 percent fully vaccinated, while Black and Latino Californians hover around 50 percent. Dr. Rohan Radhakrishna is the deputy director of the Office of Health Equity at the California Department of Public Health. He spoke with CAP Radio's Randall White. Has your office determined the causes for the disparity in vaccine rates? Within California, we're doing better than many states, but there is still work ahead, especially with the holidays upcoming. So we're pursuing a variety of strategies that have worked earlier in the pandemic to minimize inequities and continue to infuse new things that we learn on the ground every week to ensure that all Californians get vaccinated before the holidays and we leave no community behind, whether that's by place, by race and ethnicity, or by insurance type. What are some of those strategies? How do you determine where to provide vaccination sites or maybe the hours of operation, any barriers that could keep some people from getting their shot? We take a hyper-local approach and have a variety of geospatial tools to really help us hotspot where there's a large volume of people, lower vaccination rates, and we can really slice and dice the data according to a variety of variables. This then allows us to focus, as we call it, both our air game and our ground game to get the message out about vaccination opportunities but also to focus who we're reaching. That may be through door knocking, through text banking, through phone banking, through canvassing, to make sure that there's no deserts, no map spots in California 
where we're not reaching out to. Dr. Rohan, where are you seeing the most vaccine hesitancy? A report by NBC News shows Latinos in Orange County have some of the lowest vaccination rates statewide at just 22 percent. What is your office doing to address places like this where the numbers show such a real challenge? As you mentioned, the variation in vaccine confidence can be hyperlocal. And it's not enough to just choose a geography or a race and ethnicity. You need to get more specific. You need to also look at age group, because if you're focused on Latinos being further behind, you need to look at the difference between first shots versus boosters. You need to look at the difference between Latinos who are 65 plus versus those who are in the youth age group to really hyper focus your message. You mentioned different age groups. What are we seeing in terms of younger children, 5 to 11, getting the shots? What are the numbers starting to show there? This is a turning point in our fight against the pandemic to bring on board the 5 to 11-year-olds. We've had over 100,000 already in California vaccinated. And as we've seen with other age groups that come on board, some people are in the watch and wait category, and that's okay. But before the holidays, we're taking a household approach to ensure that everyone has the maximum immunity before these holiday gatherings. And that was Dr. Rohan Radhakrishna with the California Department of Public Health. He was speaking with CAP Radio's Randall White. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.